Praise the Lord. I'm enjoying Romans. How many is getting through your Romans reading each day? Going down that Romans road? All right. It was fun reading Romans chapter 4. This week I want to challenge you to get in Romans chapter 5. Write this down. You have an insert there with you. If you want to write this on your insert, pull those out because you're going to need those today in just a minute. But write down, read Romans 5 this week. Read Romans 5 this week, and as you're reading 5, you can even get into 6 if you want to a little bit, but as you're reading those, uh, be thinking of what are the benefits and what are you seeing in Romans 5, what are the benefits of being justified, okay? What are the benefits of being justified? And remember, as you're reading through there, I want you to practice that soap. That's where you read scripture, you read a portion of scripture each day, and then O is you observe what you're reading. So you've got scripture as S, and then O, you're observing what you're reading, and then A is you're sitting here thinking, how can I apply that? Like when you're thinking this week, uh, what is the benefit of being justified by God? And when you see one of those benefits, write it down, write it down, and then say, when you're observing that, think about how can I apply that? Why is that important to me? And then I want you to pray every day on something that you just read and thank the Lord that that's working in your life. So that's how we practice SOAP. S, Scripture. O is observation. A is application. And P is prayer. And I do that reading the Bible, period. I do that every day. So if you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. If you guys will put the uh, time up there. Romans chapter Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, amen. It says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to flesh? What has he figured out? That's what that means. For Abraham was justified, for if Abraham was justified by his works, and justified means just as if it didn't happen, okay? So if he was justified by his work, then he has something to boast about. But not before God. And then it says, for what does the scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God. Everybody says, believed God. Abraham believed God and it was accounted. Now I want you to circle that word accounted or write it down. Because we're going to come back to that today. But it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace. But his works are counted as debt. Okay, But to him that does not work, but simply believes on him, who's him? Everybody say Jesus. On him, Jesus, who justifies the ungodly, his faith, that's our faith, my faith, is accounted. There you see that word again, is accounted for righteousness. Father, we thank you today for your word. Father, we thank you that, that, that it'll come forth articulate, it'll come forth persuasive, it'll come forth and it'll move in the spirit, it'll move in the heart. And Lord, we thank you today for your shalom peace in the room. And Lord, we open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want to tell you this is a powerful scripture if there's anybody here that's ever done anything wrong. Anybody here ever done anything wrong? If you've never done anything wrong, then this passage isn't so great. But if you've ever done anything wrong, it's a great scripture. Because the Bible says here that he justifies the ungodly or the people that's ever done anything wrong. He justifies them with his grace. 
You know, it's extremely important to understand grace versus works. There's such a bit difference. Everything we do in life is either grace or works. It's either grace or it's legalism. It's either something that's a gift or something that's earned. But with God, if you're going to go the working way or the earned way or the debt way or what you do, if you're going to do that, that means that you've decided that you're going to keep the whole law but if you decide that you're going to go that way, you got to keep the whole thing perfectly. Does anybody out there say amen? That's what they were talking about in Romans. If we went out, let's say we went out and asked 100 people, what do you got to do to go to heaven? What do you think some of the answers would be? What do you got to do to get to heaven? I think a lot of, I'm talking about people that probably aren't in church. What do you think some of the answers would be? Be a good person. How many say you got to be a good person? You got to do good things. Uh, you got to do, I've heard this one, you got to do, it's like it's a, a, it's like a balance. You got to do more good than you do bad. Well, here's the problem with that is God's standard isn't good. God's standard is perfect. God's standard is perfection. So even if you still do good, it's still not totally great and it's still not totally right. And we still have not met the righteous requirements of the Lord. A few questions I want to ask you today. Is there anybody here that you've broken a whole bunch of commandments or you've broken a whole bunch of stuff in the Bible? Anybody here says, I've broken a whole lot? Lots of them. All right. Well, look at this scripture in James chapter 2, verse 10. I'm reading out of the Living Bible here. I like how it says it. It says, And the person who keeps every law of God but makes one little slip is just as guilty is the person, how many raised their hand and said, I've broken a whole bunch of the laws. You're just as guilty as a person that's broken a whole bunch of laws. Now let me ask, has anybody here just slipped a little bit? It might have been better for all of us to raise our hand that we slipped a lot because the scripture says that if we slip in one little thing, we're just as guilty. Come on, let's sober up today. Let's sober up from self-righteousness today and our goodness and how good we are. Let's sober up. And if we slip in one simple little way, the Bible says we're guilty of all of them. How many remember Johnny Carson and the great Billy Graham? Amen. Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists ever. He was on the Tonight Show one time and Johnny said, Hey, Billy, have you ever broken any of the Ten Commandments? And Johnny looked at Billy, Billy looked at Johnny Carson and said, Yeah. Actually, I've broken them all. And uh, Johnny Carson leaned in because he was like, the great Billy Graham has committed adultery? Because that's one thou shalt not commit a great adultery. The great Billy Graham has lied? And, and, he, and he was leaning in. He was like wanting to get some stuff. You got to tell me about this. Well, what do you mean you've broken them all? And then uh, Billy Graham said, this scripture to Johnny Carson that if you've even slipped in one, you've broken them all and begin to share the gospel. Come on, somebody give a praise to the Lord. Begin to share the gospel on national television. Amen. So we've talked about that. Well, is it possible? I mean, if, if we got to be, po- be perfect and we got to do everything just right, is it possible? Because we know we can't. Is it possible that someone else has already been made perfect for us? And that if I can just believe in him, for what the scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted. It was put into his account for righteousness. Some people say, how many has ever heard that term righteousness imparted? 
Righteousness is when something was just given to you. So let's kind of start back, and let's look at what is righteousness. I told Jim I was going to give him a hard time today. Jim, stand up a minute, brother. We're just going to go all the way. Everybody say, hey, Jim, what's up? Anybody knows Jim? Jim's a pretty upstanding man. If we said, if I said Jim Bowden is a righteous man, what do you think that would mean? What do you think that would mean? Uh, well, if that's a righteous man, then he does lots of right things. He lives right. He treats his wife right. Faith? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, if he's a, if you can sit down now, Jim. Uh, it would mean things like he treats his wife right. And we're asking Faith for a testimony there. Uh, it, he's a good husband. He's a good father. He's, he's got good behavior. The reason I thought of Jim is because he's so upstanding. And upright is a moral person. So, so I kind of think of some of that. So if he's a righteous man, the assumption is that he lives righteously. Would everybody say that would be a correct assumption? If he's a righteous man, the assumption is he lives righteously. And you know, that wouldn't be a wrong assumption in any way. But so my question to that, if that's what a righteous man is, here's my question. It's an important question. So if he is righteous because he lives righteously... Or is he righteous because he lives righteously? Or does he live righteously because he's been made righteous? You know, that's a big difference. That's a big difference. See, he is not righteous because he lives righteously. But Jim, is, he lives righteously because Christ came in and made him righteous. So there's a big difference between that. And even righteous and righteousness. You hear those terms righteousness righteous righteousness if you want to write down righteousness righteousness is it's a perfection or it's a holiness that imitates God's nature it's the exact rectitude it's the exact thing it's exact in faithfulness so if we say righteous and we walk in righteousness that means that we're walking in perfect and perfection in holiness of God's nature. We're exactly doing it. Spot on. Spot on. Anybody doing that? I don't think so. And then righteous is this. Righteousness is just simply this. You can write this down. It's right standing with God. Right standing with God. So we need to understand I'm not in right standing with God because I do things right. Because I can't do enough things right. Are you all with me? The Bible, remember, whoever stumbles in just a little bit is guilty of all of them. I'm in right standing with God because Jesus did the right things. And I believe in Jesus. And because of my right standing with God through Jesus Christ, here's the key. Now I have a desire and I have the ability and, and, and I have the spirit inside of me that helps me to do the right things. And we're going to get into that. As you read Romans, it's kind of tough starting off. But you're going, to get, you're going to start seeing where the flesh starts turning over to the Holy Spirit. And we began to get a crucified life like, oh, you got to come next week. you got to come next week because we're going to talk about being dead with Christ and raised in newness of life. What that really means. And then there's a... There's an, an, there's an infusion of power and spirit inside of us that changes us to want to do the right things. How many know that God gives you, the Bible says that God gives you both the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So, so, so when you get that righteousness inside of you or when you get believe in Christ, he, 
Well, I'm going to start preaching next week. I got to quit. I got to quit. I got to quit. But it's not the right things that, that puts me in right standing with God. I'm put in right standing with God because I believed for righteousness. You got to come next week, guys. We're going to learn what it means to walk in newness and power. I want to put it another way in talking about this. Can an unrighteous man do righteous deeds? How many have known people that aren't church people? You know they're not born again. Can they do good things? How many know some people that do better things than people that are in the church? Anybody out there say amen. Okay. He, well, imagine, imagine this. There's a guy, he's not a believer. He goes to another city, he's doing a business deal. Has a great day. Lands lots of accounts, huge accounts. Knows he's going to get a big bonus. Whistling, walking out of his hotel room. As he's walking out, some kids are playing ball, kicking the ball around, and they kick the ball over the fence. This guy's whistling, picks the ball up, throws it back to the kids, walks down a little bit further, sees a little old lady trying to get across the street, goes up, helps her, tries to walk her across the street, says some kind words to her. He's an unbeliever. Says some kind words to her. And then while he gets her across the street, there's a homeless man shaking a, shaking a can and, and wanting some, some alms to be given. And he's like, oh, man, I'm just going to give. This is an unbeliever. It's an unbeliever. And he's like pulling out and he's giving to this homeless man. Are those right things? Yes or no? They're right things. Are they good things? Yes or no? But do good things make this unrighteous man righteous okay all right there's another guy he's a church on the rock believer he's chad where'd chad go he had to go didn't he going on a business deal land some accounts buddy knows he's going to get a big bonus from robert and all this everything's going 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 good and uh, or actually i wanted to flip this one where everything's going bad sorry chad <laughs> You don't want the account? You call up for accounts receivable. They don't want to pay. Terrible, terrible, terrible bad day. Same Chad walks out seeing the kids playing ball. The ball goes over the fence. He takes the ball, takes it, and just kicks it the other direction and grumbles some things. And all these blasted kids always giving me trouble. Walks down, sees the lady walking across the street. Instead of helping her, he pushes her out away. She, she, she. Falls a little bit, she falls into the mud puddle and gets wet. And then there's a homeless guy rattling his, his uh, alms, he's wanting alms. And Chad says, you look good enough, you should go get a job. And takes and pushes the can off. Now, Chad's a believer, he's a believer. Do these unrighteous deeds make the man who's in right standing with God unrighteous and in not right standing with God anymore? Here's the point. Can an unrighteous man do righteous things? Yes or no? Does the righteous deed that the unrighteous man do make him righteous? Yes or no? They don't. Listen to me carefully. To me, here's a point where church people miss it. I think we miss it on this. Is can a righteous man do unrighteous things? How many say yes and we do a lot? We do a lot of them. A lot of them. Well, does the unrighteous deed that the righteous man does make him unrighteous? No. Then why do we live like it does? 
So many of us live in so much fear and condemnation and guilt where we can't even pull ourselves up by the dog bootstraps because we've got this accusation going in our heads all the time that we're worthless and we can't do anything right. I say that we begin to shut those voices off and get concrete in the voice of God and who we are in Christ and that we can begin to be steady and stable and know that it's not the works that I do but it's a work that Jesus did. Alright? Now listen, I'm not saying people that like to do the law, they get real upset when I preach on grace. But I'm not saying God's pleased when we do these kind of things. And I'm not saying there aren't consequences when we do unrighteous things. But does our righteousness, our right standing depend on our performance or does it depend on His performance? And it is His performance. Alright, is righteousness... Next point, is it something that you can earn? Is it something that you can earn? For Abraham, the Bible says if he was justified by works or if he could earn it, he has something to boast about, but not before God. I want a country boy that for you. There ain't no bragging in heaven, y'all. There ain't no bragging in heaven, y'all. No one's going to walk up. Nobody's going to get to heaven, and you're going to think you're all of that. It's because of what I did. You're not going to have this photography of all this stuff that you did and how, how you performed and all the wonderful things that you did. We're going to be getting up there and we're going to be getting up there and we're going to say, I'm here because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and I'm thankful, Jesus, for your forgiveness and your entrance and what you did for me. Thank God that I'm here today. It's because of your grace and it's because of your gift of righteousness. Amen. Somebody give him a praise today. Change the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere. It's because of your grace. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 5 verse 17. It's not about receive. It's about receiving. It's not about achieving. Those who reign in life. How many want to reign in life? That reign is the Greek word basilica. It means a, a government building where there's, there's dominion and there's power and it's set, there, it, it, it's set there as a statement in that area. If you're going to reign in life, if you're going to reign in life, it's because we've received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. But it says, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but it's debt. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, for by grace, everybody say grace, for by grace we've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself, it is the gift of God, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, we're created for good works. Hey, notice that when you're saved, you're not saved by your good works, you're saved to good works. So this person says, I'm, not, I'm saved through faith, not of myself. It's a gift of God. It's not my works, but I'm saved unto good works. After you get born again, after you get the righteousness inside, how many know that it does change you to where you begin to walk in good works, which God prepared for those that should walk in them? Braden, if you want to bring that account up for me, we're going to talk about how are you made righteous with God. How are we made righteous with God? 
and that um, scripture that I'm going to be looking at as Braden's pulling this up is it says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. All right, write this down somewhere if you got somewhere to write. The Greek word for accounted is similar to our word accounting. It, li- it literally means to credit or to put in someone's account. Making a nice box there, buddy. Is it working? Beautiful. Thank you, Braden. All right. I'll take that pen. If you see here, we got three containers, and let's call these things accounts. We got three containers and, and three accounts. I want to put a title on the account. On this one up here, I want to put bad. I want to put bad. Maybe I want to put bad. Come on, technology. We want to put bad. And then on the next one, we want to put good. Good. Everybody say good. And then I want to put perfect. On this account. All right, now, we've got these three accounts. Everybody say, praise the Lord. God gave him grace to get that done. Now, we need a perfect person. Somebody tell me a perfect person besides myself. or um, Somebody yell out a perfect person. All right, we're going to put Jesus over here. All right, everybody with me? We got Jesus. He's perfect, Jesus. And then we want to put a bad person. Now, because I don't want to pull anybody out today, there was this bad guy, and I know him really kind of well. So we'll call him Brian, okay? We're going to put Brian up here, maybe. Thank you, Gary. You know, Braden told me that. Braden told me that. All right, Brian. And then we're going to have a really good person. Uh, I know, now the reason we're going to have a really good person and the very best person that I know in the room, everybody say her name. Yes, isn't she beautiful? All right, so we got the good person and the bad person and the perfect person. Now, I got to think about myself and being a bad person. Now, before I came to know the Lord, how many know we had lots of S's? S's is going to signify sins. We got all kinds of S's. Fighting, rebellion, um, disobedient to parents, cheating. I mean, I got to college and didn't hardly know how to read because I cheated on everything. Okay? Cheating. So we fill that account up with sins. And then you can say, we'll say, we'll call some things righteous or righteous deeds. And there was a few things that I might have had some R's, okay? I might have done a few rights. I read my word a few times, helped somebody out. I used to did have a heart for the underdog. Uh, maybe those are a few of the R's. But then I married Carmen, and Carmen was like the woman that grew up in church and never did anything wrong. I mean, the cussing, the 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 drinking, the wildness, the doing it wrong, the 
gossiping and talking about each other where we're doing all these sins. We're gossiping. We're boasting. We're, we're doing all this stuff. She had read the Bible. Whoops. What would I do, Braden? Oh, she had read the Bible, go to church all the time, help people out, give to missions, go to church camp. I mean, you can fill hers with R's, 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 all, the, all over the place. But then the only thing is with that is even with our R's, the Bible says something about that that I think is pretty important. It says in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says, All of our righteousness are as filthy rags. So even when you begin to think about your righteousness... You can turn all these R's into writing rags. Rags. Technology. Rags. Hey, this is kind of fun, actually. Rags. Rags. Man, hers is filling up more than mine. I think I kind of like this. (laughs) But uh, see, we, we got that problem. So we're filled up with our sins and our righteousness, and our falling short and all this. It looks as if these two accounts, they're just, they're just filled up. But here's what happened, and what we're talking about today, is accounts are what's credited in our account. Because we've sinned, even our righteous acts, even the things we've done, they fill up our boxes with rags, and they fill up our boxes. But Jesus over here is what he did, is if you could take all of these sins, whoop, I did it again. If you could take all those sins and begin to cross them out or erase them and begin to put them in his account. And then what he did is he, he, it would make our accounts like they're completely clean. And then what he did is he took his account, he took his P and he made it his perfection or his righteousness. And he erased ours and he put a capital R in both of our accounts. And guys, here's, here's a couple of my scriptures on that. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 says this. Isaiah chapter 53. Next time I should have done it on that board. Technology. Yuck. Um, but I hope you got the point. That was done to me one time and it really changed my life because I saw that it didn't matter. That Jesus takes all that out of my account erases it all and he puts his righteousness capital R in my account and the bible says that the bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities it says the chastisement for our peace was upon his back and by his stripes we are healed you know another scripture i love write this down is second corinthians chapter 5 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This needs to be a staple scripture to people. It says, but he who knew no sins. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus who knew no sins became my sin. For he who made him to be no sin, he became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Everybody say amen to that. So... How are we made righteous with God? The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I'm not going to be able to do it today, but I want you to write this down. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. 
Genesis chapter 15, verse 4, and also Genesis chapter Genesis chapter 15, verse 4 through 11. Write that down. And then also write down Genesis chapter 15, 17 through 21. But I want to read a little bit of this. And it says, when it talks about the covenant that Abraham believed, the covenant that was made with God, this is pretty cool. The Bible says, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but it shall come forth from your own bowels. And he brought forth, um, and he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven, here's the promise, and tell the stars if you be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall your seed be. And then here we see it. It says, Abraham believed the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. In other words, what I tried to do right there. When we believe the Lord, God's righteousness is put into our account. And he said unto him, I am the Lord who brought thee out of the, the land of the Chaldees. And he said, I am the Lord, and you shall now inherit it. And he said, take me a heifer. I want you to look at this verse now. He said, take me a heifer three years old, a she-goat three years old, a ram, some turtle doves, doves and a pigeon. pigeon. And he took them all, and, and then they divided them. They cut them in two, and they laid them in pieces one against another. But the, but the birds, he didn't do that to. And then I want you to look down at verse 17. And it came to pass when the sun went down and when it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between these pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Through your seed I've given you the land. I've given you the river of, the, of, of, the, of Egypt and the great river Euphrates. And he starts naming all these different places that he gave to them. But with that, I think that is so cool, and I want you to maybe even study it a little more this week. But what he did is he took those animals, and he cut them in two, and he placed them opposite of each other. So if you could think about a ram or a goat or whatever, they literally cut it in two, and they put one half over here, and then they put one half over there. And, um, and when this happened, Abraham knew what was going on because that was a custom of the day. And Abraham knew that God was getting ready to go into a contract with him. In those days, contracts were made by cutting these animals and splitting the carcasses and then lying them on the ground. And then after you did that, the two people that were going into covenant, the two people that were going into covenant, if you laid the animal, split them, and laid them on each side, the two people that went into covenant is they would link arms and in here you saw it was a smoking pot and a torch. They linked arms and they walked through. And while they were walking through, what that signified is they would repeat the covenant. They would say the covenant with their mouth. And they, that they both knew what the covenant was. So they split the, the, then both the parties, they walked through. The animals parted, they were repeating the terms of the covenant. The symbolism was plain. First, this was a covenant so serious that it was sealed with blood. The animals, the blood was there that their death was given. Second, if I break this covenant, the same bloodshed and what happened to these animals, if I break that covenant, it'll happen to me. That was known in that day. And then the covenant that was made in that verse 17 that I read, it said when the sun went down, 
and it was dark, Abraham fell asleep. Or perhaps he was still groggy, but he was a sleeper in a deep sleep or groggy. And he saw God do something amazing. Instead of God and Abraham passing through and making the covenant, um, it didn't happen that way. God did an amazing thing that he passed through the animals by himself while Abraham was on the sidelines asleep. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. God represented the smoking oven and the burning torch. He passed through these animal parts by himself. But Abraham was off by the side watching. And God showed this unilateral covenant. Abraham didn't sign the covenant and he wasn't in the covenant. He just passively watched while God signed it for both of them. Therefore, the certainty of the covenant, here's why that's important. It's the certainty of the covenant made with Abraham was based on God and not God and another Adam. Or not God and another person like us. Because brothers and sisters, we would fail on our part of the covenant. We would fail on our part of the covenant. And God knew that we would fail on our part of the covenant. He knew we couldn't do it. He, we tried. We, everybody said, oh, we want the law. At the day of Moses, give us the law. We want the law. Well, the law was given to him, but all that did is it was a letter of death because it just showed us how much sinful that we are. So that's why when it talks about the former reign and the latter reign, the former reign, it was glorious. The law was glorious. It was God gave the law. I mean, it was so glorious that they had to put a a sack over Moses' head because his face shined so bright. It was glorious. It was God. But it also brought death to us because none of us could do it. None of us could keep the law. None of us could fulfill our part of the covenant. So what God did is when God came in with Abraham to establish this covenant, when he came in to do it, he took man out of the equation. Because man, we fail, guys. We're always going to fail our side of the covenant. And To me, the smoking, you know, I looked in every commentary I could find, and nobody makes a stab at what the smoking pot is and what the torch is. I mean, I I read dozens of commentaries. I mean, some of them, and then a few, what they said, I'm like, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's what it was. Like, some of them are like, well, that's the, this, and, and I'm like, that don't even have anything to do with anything. I'm a simple person. You know what God did? To me, God and Jesus Christ linked arms and walked through there. And that's why God sent his son. Because it's not his will. God did not come into this world. God loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves people. God loves people. God, the scripture goes on to say, God didn't come into this world to condemn the world. The world's already condemned, but he came in that through him that we might find life and abundance life. Are you all with me? So I believe, yeah, amen. I think it's powerful. Abraham was off here sleeping and seeing this covenant. And God's like, man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. If you read in Genesis chapter 2, it says, I'll give you the gates of your enemy. 
In other words, no, no enemy is going to overtake you. Uh, if you read the blessings of Abraham, he'll say, wherever you put your feet, I'm going to give you the land. Whoever blesses you, I'll bless them. You're going to have favor everywhere you go. I mean, these blessings, just blessing after blessing after blessing on Abraham. This was this covenant he talked about. But, but the blessing that comes through the favor and grace of the Lord, it's a covenant that we couldn't link arms and go through it. So Jesus linked arms with, with, with God and went through it and paid the price on the cross so that all we have to do is Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. So we just sat out here and watched this thing. You know, some of you say, man, I don't think it's fair that um, Adam's sin came on me and I'm paying for it. Well, if you don't think that's fair, maybe this will help you. Because that's what happened. We've all sinned because of one man's sin, Adam, that came into the world. But also, the second Adam. None of us did righteousness, but we all get to be made righteous when we believe in him. So it pans out. You may not like it that, that uh, Adam's sin came on you, but just to be honest with you, I don't think any, any of us would have done it right. So we're all Adams. Anybody out there? We're all Adams. Don't get thinking that, oh, Adam did this to me. We did it to ourselves because we'd all been the same way. But just as we weren't there doing it like that, we weren't there when Jesus paid for it, but we believe and righteousness is put into my account. That's what I wanted to say. And then, guys, here's what I challenge you to do. I would challenge you to read Romans chapter 4, starting about verse 16. I was going to read that and stuff, but I'm way out of time. But read that this afternoon. Read that this afternoon. Because securing... You can come whenever you want, Braden. Securing, securing righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Believe in God and getting that settled, being right with God, that's like just the first step. But if you read um, Romans chapter 4 and start getting at verse 16 and read the rest, is that was just the beginning. But that same faith, Abraham walked it out the rest of his life. And here's what I want you to do when you're reading that. Is, is, is you may say today, I'm going to believe God and righteousness is put into my account. But how many know that you work things out in your life? How many say that there's things that used to kick my tail, sinful things used to kick my tail, but years later, I'm getting some victory in those areas. See, see that's working it out. Abraham received the promise, but you're going to see that he kept working it out from 17 to the end of chapter 4. And to me, that encourages us to just keep walking it out and not give up and not stagger. Okay? Every head bowed and eyes closed today. Take a minute with the Lord. And I want to ask you today, have you experienced, have you experienced God's saving grace? Are you in right standing? Are you righteous today? Are you in right standing with God through Jesus Christ? If you're here today and if Jesus were to come back or you were to die today, are you right with God and are you ready to meet Jesus?
to meet God. Are you ready for that? If you say, Brian, I don't know. I wanna, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a minute, and I want you to pray it with me. I want you to pray it with me, and as you believe that, pray. The, Bi- the Bible says that Abraham believed God, and God took the unrighteousness, He took the sins and the, the, uh, the filthy rags out of our account, and He put His righteousness in our account. So right now, if you don't feel like you're right with God, I want you to pray this. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name today. And Lord, I want to accept your gift of righteousness. Lord, I stand condemned. I stand guilty. I stand, I'm actually here suffering today from some choices that I've made. Some things I'm going through. But today, Lord, I thank you for loving me. And I pray right now that you would accept me. That you would accept this prayer. And I ask you right now, Lord, that you would take my unrighteousness. You'd take my sins. You'd take my shame. You'd take my fears. You'd take my guilt. That you'd take that away. And that I could receive your righteousness today. Jesus, I believe you died and I believe you rose on the third day and I accept you into my heart. Come into my heart in Jesus' name. Come into my heart in Jesus' name. With nobody looking around, heads still bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to just lift your hand to me and let me see your hand. Amen. I see those hands. Anybody else say, I prayed that prayer today. God bless you. I see your hand. Anybody else to my right? God bless you. God bless you. I see you in the back. Anybody else say, I prayed that prayer today. I see your hand. That took boldness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand to our feet today. Braden, you got a song? Amen. Lift your voices. Lift your voices and sing for him. Can we bring the words up? He is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Come on, lift your voices today. Oh, what a say. Come on, worship your Savior. Lord, we worship you. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Come on. Christ is risen. Thank you, Lord. Down before him. He is Lord of
Praise the Lord. All across this room, sing that little bridge, Braden. something we do here at Church on the Rock is I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward, but uh, something we want to do every week is we want to minister to people, and I think that's something that's been forgotten at church, that we come, we sing, we hear the word, but we don't give people a chance to respond, so we've got people here ready, we need some more on this side, amen, we got people ready today. They're ready to pray for you if you're sick. They're ready to pray for you that say you prayed that prayer and you received salvation today. Come tell them about it. We got a gift for you. The Bible says that counsel's found. You can come and get something off your heart. Anybody need to get something off your chest? That's what these prayer people, you can come get something off your chest. And they'll pray with you about it. Here's another thing that happens at ministry time. I always hesitate to do this, but I trust the people that we got up here praying for you, that they keep their mouths quiet. But sometimes you just need to confess. Sometimes part of getting things off is you just got to say it to somebody. You can say it to people today. Because I believe, I believe in, in confessing and getting some things off your heart and that you can be restored with prayer. If you're here today and you're discouraged... Come get encouragement today. So we, we've got plenty of people. I can pull people up like this for prayer. we got people ready. So we want to enter into a time of ministry where you can come. And if you are not going to come forward for ministry, this is a time that uh, we can pick up our kids and we're going to close the service. But before we do, I want to pray the blessings over this church. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you this week. May the Lord show you great favor and give you his shalom peace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and be ministered to. God bless you. Oh, they said there's a whole bunch of food downstairs and meat. If you even need meat, they got a lot of meat downstairs. Enjoy the food benefit. Take the elevator downstairs. God bless you. Hug a neck. Come back next week, read Romans 5. See you.